Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. So, you know, I want to do, um, John and I were kind of, you know what? First things first. Okay. There's, there's a bottle of rum in front of us. I think we, before we get to chat, we need to talk about this here. So you left a little note for me. I did. See, I remember the last time that you had me in Mm -hmm. and I brought a bottle of Papa's Pilar in to celebrate. It actually is a thank you for having me on. And I noticed you were struggling with trying to take that cap off. (laughs) I didn't want to say anything at first, but after about the first eight minutes, I figured you needed some help here, yeah. and I watched you struggle through it. So mm-hmm. coming back as a second-time guest here, you know, I, I still want to say thank you with another bottle of Papa's Pilar, but to lessen the embarrassment, what I did is I put these easy instructions on how That's just so very thoughtful, you could yeah. open the bottle of Papa's Pilar rum. So maybe we, if you do that correctly, we might have an extra 10 minutes left in an interview that won't be spent on opening the bottle of rum. All right, so I'm going to take a quick picture of this <laughs> because um, I, I don't ever want to forget this moment. Um, so here we go. We're going to take a picture of the instructions. I'm going to get the, the Pilar logo. And if you need it. any of that to be explained, you know where to get to you. So um, I'll be happy to walk you through it. That's awesome. It's sort of like one of those YouTube videos, How to Open a Bottle of Papa's Pilar Rum <laughs> with Dennis Friel. That's awesome. Good stuff. So uh, just so people can... Uh, let me see, you're not going to be able to read this, but it says, Instructions, peel off plastic cap seal, <laughs> number one. Number two, remove new seal strip. Number three, remove metal seal strap. Number four, press down on lid. Five, turn left until cap comes off. Yes. And repeat <laughs> uh, Repeat as necessary. Repeat as necessary. So I'm going to keep these, um, and this is going to stay in the room forever. There you go. Right and, there. And I also, as a, as a... If you could sign that before you leave. I'd, I'd be happy to. 
as a two-punch deal, you yeah. know. Um, also, I got the Papa's Pilar hand sanitizer, believe it or not. They, oh, wonderful. Since the whole coronavirus deal, yeah, yeah. they make a hand sanitizer. So this is like a two-step process. Mm-hmm. You take the hand sanitizer and you just coat your body with it, your right. external reaches, and then the Papa's Pilar rum will take care of the inside. Gotcha. So you're battling the, the Rona two different ways here. You're keeping it on the rum, <laughs> the run, I should say. Buy the rum. <laughs> George, it's so very nice to have you back on the show. I'm scratching my head. What am I doing here at 10 o'clock in the morning? <laughs> Drinking rum. Peel like I don't, like I don't have something healthy. more productive to do. <laughs> All right, so I, I, I missed a step already. There we so go. He's already peel off. He's crumbling under pressure. You're not a pressure kind of guy, are you? No, I'm not. I, I like everything, uh, everything laid out for him. <laughs> hey, in the case of emergency, you, you always do the old-fashioned break the glass. Yeah, well... We might spill a little, so I don't want to. <laughs> right, here we go. Some plastic seal. All right. This is the first one. That's what he had a real hard time with last night. Right. It was the plastic yeah, seal. Yeah, it was. That, it that, fell uh, all over the floor. Confused right. him. We'll remove the seal strip. Done. Very good. Right. Which I didn't even actually do that very well. Well, yeah. So. yeah it'll still work, I think. Yeah. All right. So and, and remove the seal strap. Correct. He, okay. you know, he's been practicing. He is. I have been practicing. <laughs> Plenty. Trust me. The coronavirus. Here's the big moment. Practicing. Here's the big moment right now. All right, oh. we did it. <laughs> okay. The seal is off. Beautiful. All right, we got a couple. I think I was only here. two minutes this time. Only yeah. two minutes. Nice. <laughs> we have more to talk about now. Yeah, we're going to talk about a topic today that that John's going to really want to chime in on. So awesome. This is for you. Oh, thank you, Dennis. This is for me, John. Do you want one? I'm okay. I'm good right now. Thank oh, you. John's Too early okay. for me. Yep. Okay. But a good thing of my buddy Carl, um, he works down the street, so if I need a designated driver, I'm going to call him. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Cheers right, to you. Thanks, thanks for, for having coming me back, back on the show. But, Welcome back to uh, Connected by Water, presented by Joey Cardi Chrysler. Jeep Ram. We are here today with our good friend, George Poveromo, the consummate professional. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you very much. I want to bring up one topic because... I don't want to avoid this any longer. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been trying to avoid it over the past couple of days, and I've just just come to accept the fact, and I have to really do this for both of you guys. Um, congratulations on your hurricanes, beating my Seminoles. <laughs> okay. okay. So um, I'm just going to say Defeat that. is an understatement. Defeat is an understatement. See, lay it on, John. Well, what's the ironic thing about all this is, I, yeah, I did graduate U of M. Mm-hmm. But, but I am, believe it or not, I'm, I'm just a fishing fanatic, followed by, you know, racing, race cars. Mm-hmm. I really was never interested in football. Uh, I wouldn't walk across the street to see a football game. I'd find <laughs> something else to do. But I will take a little bragging rights, and you got to have to help me here. I remember uh-huh. when U of M probably had one of the best college teams around. They had an undefeated season one year. I want to say this was 86 or 87, and then they – they won a championship, was it two years in a row? Back in in, in, the, in the late 80s. In the and 80s. they were like undefeated. Uh-huh. And they had a crazy, super good team. But then a year later, most of their players ended up in jail, and that was the end of the team. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> you that, remember that what that I was happen. talking yep, about? That did happen, yep. So I did, somewhere in passing, I saw... I brought on the right UM alumni today, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I saw where U of M beat Florida State, like some crazy 55 to, to 3 or something uh-huh. like that. It still doesn't mean anything yeah, to me, 50, but that, I guess that's 10. good in a way. Did, yeah, this this past game was the most amount of points Miami's ever put up on Florida State. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So there's um, some anyway. been, there's been some pretty good teams in the past. 
but I'm really excited to have such a good offense quarterback and of course a new kicker now too so right. those three have really helped us this year lord knows how much those kickers matter yeah well i'm gonna take his so, word for it yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so i did that for john i did that for john john john's riding high after that win in the end, well, as, as well he should so um so tell me about the dead body the dead body this was a uh, classic as you well know i put it out on uh my social media and uh people could read the story and it's funny because I had thought that I had told so many people, but then somebody on my social Facebook page posted, you know, all the seminars that we go to when we go to Jersey, you never once mentioned that. And I and I thought about it. So, well, it just takes too long to, to tell at a, at a seminar. But people well, we ask, got plenty of time today. Oh, yeah. Yes, we do. I'm down the street. <laughs> I have plenty can, of I, room. As long as I'm home by dinner, I'm in good shape. All right. That sounds good. <laughs> Is, uh, you know, people ask me, what are the craziest things that you've seen offshore? And uh, the, the body, the dead body was by far it. And this dates back to, I want to say, it was the 1980, 81, somewhere in there. And uh, I was at the University of Miami and fishing. And my dad had a 25-foot Mako. And I met up with a couple ball players from the west coast of Florida, a couple really good guys. And they love fishing. We started talking about that. And they were there on a scholarship. And I never really saw them in class that much, but that was back in the day where if you were good, they'll, they'll take care of your grades for yeah. you too. <clears throat> so anyway, we started talking and I started taking them out fishing. Then I got smart that I figured instead of going Monday, Wednesday, Friday on my courses, I could just lump them together on Tuesdays and Thursdays, put two long days in. That gave me more flexibility to fish, be it Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or long weekend. So I asked the guys, I said, um, how are you? Are you flexible? And they said, you let us know when we're fishing, we'll, we'll, we'll be there. And it was the greatest re relationship because they play hooky every single time I wanted to go fishing. And, mm -hmm. and it, they were a fun couple guys. So anyway, long story, we get down to Key Largo, a trailer down there, and we were running out. Oh, for this is down in Largo. I thought this was. No, this was out right of Key Largo. Oh, wow. I okay. used to trailer a ton. My, my dad had a weekend house down there for a while. And we spent so many years fishing out of Key Largo, so I would still trailer down there. And uh, there's a little small ramp that we used to use, and we would go out. So we're heading out on a beautiful day, slick calm, VHF radio's on, and we hear the Coast Guard saying all vessels in the vicinity of Molasses Reef Light to Carey's Fort uh, look, be on the lookout for a body that's floating. So that's sort of like a weird deal mm -hmm. when you hear that. And, and they kept repeating it to the point where – it was so redundant, I just turned the VHF off. I got sick and tired of hearing it because who's going to find a body? That's like like hitting a lotto. Yeah. We run out 30-some miles. We hit the dolphin really solidly. We decided, hey, we got a lot of fish to claim. We still got to get the boat in the trailer, get back to Miami. So we start running in about 2 o'clock. About 10, 11, 12 miles off Molasses Reef Light, I see something in the distance like floating, a big object. I said, guys, there's something big floating here. And I said, there's got to be some dolphin under it. So I took, told the ball players, grab these two spinners, and then when I get you close, I want you to fire. Uh, one was a jig, I believe. The other was a hook with a ballyhoo, and fire it in there. We'll cap it off with a few more dolphin. So we're charging up. We're getting closer and closer, and it's big and white. And think, look at it. Is that a cooler or something? And uh, so anyways, we got closer. I pulled the throttles back, got it in neutral, and all three of us identified at the same time because we just – completely didn't say a word we were like in awe are we seeing what we're seeing here it was a dead body floating face down 
And uh, so we're like, this is the guy the Coast Guard is looking for. We hope. We, we would hope so. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> they, well, you never know how that, whatever really happened in the story. So I get on the VHF. And it said, uh, Coast Guard, uh, and, and I, I made the mistake, you know, looking back, announcing the vessel name and the VHF or call letters like I was taught to do. And um, I said, I believe we have your body here. And they said, okay, um, where are you at? And back then it was Loran, so I gave them the Loran numbers. said, I will sit here and wait until you send some of your crew out so the, the body won't go missing. Uh, Mark 6, we order you to uh, put the body in the boat and proceed to a marina. That we're going to tell. And I said, what? Dun, dun, dun. Everything changed and, and, and at that so moment. you're thinking, you don't know who this guy is, where he has been. Does he have any diseases? What happened? Oh. And so you don't want to touch him. So I get back on the radio, and, and I said, well, Coast Guard, uh, you know, uh, what if I don't want to put this body in the boat? And because I was young, and you know the Coast Guard, being as trendy as they are, they sense that on-the-fence kind of scared voice. So they mm-hmm. figured, we're going to really intimidate the, this kid. And they said, we are ordering you to put the body in the boat. If you don't, we will confiscate your boat, and uh, you'll be arrested. So I'm Is thinking, that true? I never researched that, but at that age, yeah, that, that like age, I said, the only the thing that would have sure. been worse for me to call my dad to tell him to come get me out of jail was be telling him, hey, you could also bid on your boat at the next federal auction. Oh, I said, yeah. no way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not doing it. So, so they rattled me. And, and probably legally, I don't know you know, today whether they could do that or, or they can't. But, but you're a younger guy back then. Yeah, first, 25 years old. You don't know much about no, that. No, and yeah. you're running into with the first running with a Coast Guard. Not really a run-in. But, so I don't know what the authority is. But all I know is I can't, I'm not going to lose my dad's boat over this thing. So told the players, all right. We got to put him in the boat, and they like freaked. I would have dragged that thing in. I, we would have come apart. We were that <laughs> far off. <laughs> they would have been ugly. Yeah. Oh. So, you know, that thank goodness I was the captain of the boat. You know, you know they got to listen yeah. to me. I said I'm going to pull up alongside, and he's face down. Each one of you would get get him under his arm, but we couldn't quite get a grasp on him. So I told him to take a gaff and get the back of the shirt. I said, don't poke right. him. Yeah. So they got him on the shirt. And they, they sort of pulled him against the boat. One ball player got his arm under one armpit. The other one did the other. And they lifted him up, and they sat him on the boat. And I remember like it was yesterday. Here is this guy, like rigor mortis, his arms are still out. Legs are straight down. He's God, that straight, must have been so weird. Sitting on my gunnel. Oh. And they said, all right, let's go. I said, I can't run with him on there. I said, put him in the boat. And so they, they lifted him, they laid him in the cockpit. So he's in the back of the boat on his back, arms up, knees like bent. And oh my God. <laughs> so I called the Coast Guard. So we've got him. They said, Does he have any ID? Ball players pulled out a wallet. And I see the, 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 the real beer drinking guy going through there in $350. He's saying, Don't tell him about the cash. Don't tell him about the cash. <laughs> so he says, Give me the wallet. So I read the name of the captain off. Coast Guard said, that is our, our person. Is there any other belongings on him? And I said, well, I want to go on the record. It is $350 cash. Right. And the ballplayers are getting all mad back there like this. And, <laughs> and they didn't really talk to me for the rest of the trip back in because they, they later told me 350 bucks would buy them a lot of beer. And like I said in the story, you're, I don't— You're a good man, George Barber. Well, you know, number, well, a couple reasons here. Number one, might have been a little on the selfish side. 
I don't really know if I believe in ghosts or not, but I want to press the issue. I don't want right. this cat to haunt me for the rest of my life. So that's yep. one of them. And number two, it was 350 bucks. That guy's family, he has a, had a wife, from what I understood, out there. That That's his money. That would yeah. have been just terrible. Yeah, so that's I went bad on juju. Record. Oh, no yeah. doubt about it. In anybody's yeah. book. And Take a money off a dead man. Hey, I don't know if I would have done that either. No, I would not have. So I reported immediately to make that up. But that was part of the record. So they told me where to bring the body to this marina. And what got me upset is they were complaining about how short they were with manpower. We get to the marina, and I'm telling you, there's no less than a dozen, 15, 18, might have been 20 different law enforcement vehicles from the highway patrol to back then fish and wildlife to Monroe County. You had enough military or or law people there. They could have gone down to Cuba and taken it over in two days. And Coast Guard comes on board and they bring the body out. They put them on a stretcher, put them in an ambulance, take them off. And I have to answer 45 minutes worth of questions with the Coast Guard. And I said, could you please let me know you've got my information who was the guy, what had happened? And they said he was a charter captain, and he found his boat off of Isla Mirada going in circles with nobody on it. So they found his boat, and somebody had jumped on, shut it down. So they went looking for the guy, hence the all-points bulletin, to mm-hmm. find him. So um, he was a captain, and the 350 bucks that he had was for a half-a-day charter. So the question comes up, where was the other people on the boat? He yeah. had 350. Was that from a previous charter? It was sort of like a weird set of circumstances there. What if he went out by himself? Did he try to take a leak off the boat and end up going overboard? I mean, mm-hmm. so that that I remember the boat name. It was the Rebel Seven, and I used to remember the captain's name, but but over the years I had forgot about it because now with the Google search deal, you know, I tried to get back in and see but charter boats Rebel Seven. Nothing comes up. If I had the captain's name, I still remembered it, maybe it would have come up. But I've asked a lot of old-timers down there mm-hmm. in Isla Mirada, and no one says they've ever heard of the boat. So you never know mm-hmm. what the deal was. It was That's the early strange. 80s. I don't want to say or anything or, or, or taint his possible good reputation. That was a lot of the uh, drug stuff was in full tilt boogie mode back right. then. Full uh, tilt boogie. I like it. Could it could have been part of that, or could it just been in – See, this is why I always wanted to find out what really happened mm-hmm. on that day with a, with a dead body. We're looking into that. Uh, I, I've been I trying. I, yeah, I didn't realize. Yeah, well, I'll help you. I'll, okay, I'll see sure. what I can do. I, I can't make it. Was a, promises, I remember the I'd boat love name, to find that out, too. The Rebel 7, it was out of Isla Mirada, but I've spoken to a lot of the old timers that say they never ever heard of the boat or whatever, so I don't know if anybody does know about it or not. But if you find anything, I'm, I'm just really curious. So the bottom line was. That was, without a doubt, it topped all the dolphin we caught. But after all the craziness, you, you just had a good feeling because you brought closure to the person's family. Yeah. And his body wasn't sitting floating out there. They could take care of it in the way that they wish. And uh, so overall, I, you know, I felt really good about that. The ball players didn't talk to me much ever since, but <laughs> that's life. <laughs> just send him a check for 350 bucks. <laughs> you know, I tell you, I tell you, you're right, though. At the end of the day, you know, Weird moment for you, strange times and all that stuff like that. But the one takeaway is that that was a very good and noble thing that you did. You, for, well, you for would that hope family. that any decent human being would would do that. I don't know if everyone would have done that. You well, made the choices that you made in that it's moment. It's a shame because today, you know, as you're getting older, you, you sort of think that you don't really have the good-natured individuals as many as you may have had back in that day. I think things have sort of changed, and 
that 350 bucks these days might have been long gone and somebody yeah. might have just left who knows I'm, I'm just guessing right now I mean I've, I've heard stories and of people finding big bales mm-hmm. big square groupers out there and then calling it in so there's a bunch of square groupers out there and we're not staying sticking around so there here's the numbers you come get them you know what I mean? and, and yeah. it is and people ask me that and all you know again growing up in South Florida and all the Bahamas and they asked me, did you ever see anything really floating out there drug-wise, this and that? And I honestly, it, it was such a rarity. I think maybe twice my whole life I might have seen a bale out there. And it wasn't as prominent, at least when I was running around seeing any of that. I said, what would you do with it? I said, I just realized how fast my boat could run to get the <laughs> hell away from it. Because yeah. I'm a guy, when I go to bed at night, I like a good night's sleep. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want like a knocker or front door yeah. busting down with the feds or... Yeah. Uh, Somebody who came looking for that yeah. deal. That yeah, yeah, you're better off keeping your hands clean. And, 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 clean, and yeah. last I checked, Columbia does not make pinstripe suits, so I look terrible in prison. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I bet you they think you look pretty good down there, though. <laughs> so, I, well, I, I got, we're going to swap dead body stories then. Oh, I'm ready. You got one, too? I got one, too. Oh, I can't wait to hear this. So um, this was back in the 90-ish era. Uh, we were up in Tallahassee. And driving home for the weekend. And it was about, it was a Sunday night. And it was about 1.30 in the morning in January. I can't remember what year it was, but it was in the mid-90s somewhere. Uh, and if anyone's ever been out on Alligator Alley oh, yeah. <laughs> in January at 1.30 in the morning, you can imagine the mist of fog that's on the road. You know, the humidity that's in the ground with the cold air at night in January. You know what I mean? Just, it's fog out there. And we were coming in from the west side on our way here right across alligator alley and there's that first bridge you get to and you're about 10 minutes into the alley for that says to go to astero mm-hmm. make a left there's mm-hmm. that sign there you probably know it well because you travel all over right. the state right i'm in the vehicle it's not my vehicle it was an isuzu rodeo and but it was my turn to drive right i got you know one of my best friends ian right to the right of me and I got my buddy Chet and his girlfriend Heather in the back seat. They're all passed out, right? I'm the only one awake. And driving, and I see up in the distance on the right-hand side of the road, off on the shoulder, an 18-wheeler put his flashers on, right? You pay attention to it, mm-hmm. right? Especially as those flashers light up the fog, right? And I got a car to the left of me and a car right behind me. Oddly enough, at 1.30 in the morning. You're boxed in, sort of? Boxed in. 1.30 in the morning on the alley. And I'm looking around, there's no one else on the road except for <laughs> us three. This is really weird. And then I notice a car behind the 18-wheeler put its flashers on as well. Now, I'm extra paying attention to this. So I slow down. Apparently, everybody else sees this and slows down, too. So now we're still all going the same speed, and I'm still mm. boxed in, Right. Things are fast approaching, but I'm starting to go slower. Now this car that was behind me is right on me because it doesn't really see in front of me. And I'm trying to get over, trying to get over, trying to go as slow as I possibly can, but we're already up to like, you know, 70, 75 miles an hour at Mm -hmm. that point, so to really downgrade. I see up ahead of us what I thought was like a rolled up piece of carpet on the road. Maybe something flew off the top of that car. You know, you never know, right? And... I can't obviously go to the shoulder because there's an 18-wheeler in a car right there. Can't get over to the left of me because that car is now going the same speed as me. 
and the car is right behind me. So I got I got to brace myself and run over whatever this thing is. I, you know, all this happened in like a matter of seconds, but you think all these scenarios through because, you know, in those moments where you just think of everything and I got to brace myself and run over whatever it is. Since I'm in the, the Suzu Rodeo, I think I'll be fine. But just before it goes under the hood, I saw what it was. Boom, boom. So you ran over it. Like, oh, everybody wakes up. What the hell was that? I'm like, oh, no. And they're like, Dennis, what was that? What, what the hell was that, right? What was that? I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> I just kept saying, oh, no, right? Because I'm still accepting what just happened. Now, are you still driving or did you pull off? I pulled road? off. Okay. <clears throat> right? I pulled off to the, to, right when it happened, I, I was like, oh. And I pulled right to the side of the road instantly without even thinking about it. The car that was to the left of me pulled off too and parked right in front of me. The car that was behind me had to have run over him too, kept going. Huh. Weird, weird, right? Long story short, on that part. And you didn't know what it was at this point. I knew what it was. Oh, so I saw you, just before it went well, under. Oh, so you knew what it was when you hit it. Yeah, so I knew what it was when I, just before I hit it. That's why I kept going, oh, no. And there was like, Dennis, what was that? What was that? Right? But I still needed confirmation in my head. Right? That car that, that kept going, by the way, they caught him at the toll booth. Good. For, for like, you know, leaving the scene of really? the accident sure. or whatever. Um, it's like, oh, no, oh, no. So I go, hold on. They still don't know what happened. I get out of the car, and I go to talk to the car in front of me that pulled over to. My buddy Ian comes out as well, right? So they roll down the window. It was like a little, like, Honda Civic with black tinted windows and everything. And a couple of Jamaican guys. And I go, please, please tell me that's not what I thought it was. Never forget this as long as I live. The Jamaican guy looks me dead in the eye, and he goes... Yeah, man, it was a dead body, just like that. And I was like, chills like came over my whole body. And I look at Ian to look at him; he's gone. He's running down. Maybe I don't know where's, what he's thinking he if he could save this guy or whatever. He's oh, long. he's going back to the body. Yeah, he goes back to the body, right? And just right around then, the cops show up. So they had already been called. Right now, long I had been like the seventh person to hit him. <laughs> I was the only person to pull over. The other two cars that stopped saw him initially get hit. Yeah, and they pulled over, and yeah, they they that's what the flashers they were trying to tell people to get over. So, so no one would I'm keep trying going. to get my head around. So was this body already wrapped up in something, or was that no? Just, I oh, thought I, with the oh, fog and everything, I thought up. it was like a roll. I just okay. in my mind, it's wow. like a rolled up piece of carpet or something oh. like that. But he had been so mangled already. Oh yeah, and it, it was like what we ended up finding out. I hit him at like 1.30 in the morning. The cops didn't release me until like 6.30 in the morning because I had to take questions from since we were where we were. I had to do Broward County. Since I was from Broward County, Broward County wanted to come over. Collier County and also state FHP homicide had to get woken up in the middle of the morning. He lived in Fort Myers. At the and all this is taking place on the alley. All this is on the alley. Yeah. And um, So what happened? Where did so he come the, from? So during that whole time I was there, I finally got the whole story. Him and his buddies were out rooting it up and shooting guns in, in the middle of the morning, <laughs> drinking up in, out in one of those ranches out in the Everglades. And uh, one of his buddies got so drunk and passed out that he just threw him in the bed of the truck, and they were going to drive back towards Broward. And um, apparently he woke up discombobulated, not knowing where he was, and fell out of the back of the truck. And the truck didn't notice that he was out of the They back? noticed it when they stopped for gas at that Mikasuki gas station, right just before getting here. That's when they noticed he was gone. So they didn't. They never knew he 
fell out. So he's laying on the road, passed out, and some other vehicle actually hits him, or did he die coming off the truck? Anybody figure out how? So they say that from the point where he originally fell out to the point where he ended up finally was a full mile. And still, after I hit him that through the seventh time, he had an unlit cigarette in his in his hand. So apparently, he maybe he tried to flag down traffic and got hit initially. I don't know. The, oh, the, apparently, man. the kid was hammered. What he a, was a young guy. Yeah, that horrible. Yeah, horrible. I'm about to say that's a, a credible story, but when you compare the two, mine versus yours. I think I still win only because it was only. <laughs> oh, here it is. It, it, but, but I'm going to give you this much. It, it, it was a split decision. You, you know? definitely win. It was yeah. a split decision only because I didn't run over my body, Dennis. Right. You did. Right. <laughs> you could have propped them. I don't know. So the judge's scorecards reflected that, and, it, and, and the Russian judge gave you two out of ten. Yeah, so yeah. You know. Thanks. I know, but that's, that's my dead body story. So that's anyway. horrible, though. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure it has the legs that yours does. But no, I don't, that's yeah. pretty bad. Yeah, but that, that was pretty bad. I yeah. was at least floating. Yours was on the road getting hit by car. Yeah. That's pretty. Yours yeah. are more gruesome, for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that was my deep, dark, and mysterious, strange story. That That's okay. That's definitely uh, <laughs> so, worthy so there. <laughs> sorry. I actually wasn't planning on bringing that up, but since we were talking about strange uh, things today. Well, hey, well, you right? and I are in the same club now. Right. Yeah, well, kind of. You're a little level up than me, but. Um, which segues me into our new segment that we're going to do on the show. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. Three strange questions. Okay. All right. So we're going to do this now every episode and let it be known throughout the land. We mm-hmm. bequeath this as the uh, the three strange questions with uh, George Barbaromo here. Can't wait for this. Right. And um, this is the first time we're ever doing this. And are you ready? I'm ready as I'm going to ever be. Okay. I don't know how great these are because I just made these up on the fly <laughs> before we walked in the room. Uh, going forward, I might have like, you know, people. Watchers of the show or whatever fans kind of just write in and ask these questions for upcoming guests, but this is all from me, so they might be lame. Okay, so let's see. Uh, what was the strangest place you've ever stayed? Because you travel all yes. over the place, uh, okay. you, you you're okay. you're a man of many places. And it's funny because I'm going to go with this only because it just popped up into my head. Mm-hmm. And I've as much travel as I've done. We've been to Central South America on fishing assignments, the whole bit, and there's been a lot of strange places, but this one just popped in my head, so I'm going to have to go with it. We did a show, and again, I don't want to really embarrass anybody, but it was in a certain area of central Florida mm-hmm. on the coast, east coast, more of a very remote area. And the tourism, for that's funny too, because the tourism for this little <laughs> area had called me, and they wanted me to do a television shoot out there. And they said, we will take care of your accommodations, the whole bit. We'd like to get exposure. Plus, the guide was a longtime friend of mine. So it's going back a number of years. So tourism got behind this. And they said, we're going to put you up in the, the, the nicest hotel, you know, et cetera. So, and we know it's an area, you know, when they say nice hotel, that, that's definitely relative. You're not going to go in there and see, you know, a, a five-star Marriott in, mm-hmm. in this place here. You'd be lucky, you know, Holiday Inn would be considered a five-star Marriott. So anyway. Right. So you were in Titusville? <laughs> How'd you know? Yes. I was going to say Titusville. Uh, you know, here I, I am. Well, say. at least you guys said that. So when a tourism attorney's I contact. I figured I'm like, I'm going to say this for him because apparently he doesn't uh, want to say it. So when a tourism attorney's contact uh, for bashing, it'll go after you two and not me because I didn't mention it. <laughs> yes, exactly. It just all sounded too familiar. Oh, my God, yes. You yeah. might have stayed in the same place. Perhaps. So they have us. And you can help me with this since you know it. It was either a days in 
or it was, I remember coming right off the interstate. It was maybe a mile, mile and a half onto the right. I, I want to say it was like a day's in or something very similar mm-hmm. that they had the free breakfast going on from six to whatever. So, and, and I'm checking in. And they said, okay, you got your crew. Here's three rooms for your crew, and we put you in, in the VIP suite. I said, oh, okay. <laughs> so what it was, and this was labeled as such, and it was on the website back then when I looked at it, I was in the honeymoon suite, and that's what it was called, honeymoon suite, and it had it on the outside of the, the door. So I said, oh, all right, well, I it, honestly, I walked into this place. I opened up the door, and shag carpet. Oh. This thick, not only on the floor, but up the walls. <laughs> it, it looked like a Casey and a Sunshine Band concert. You know, you're going back in that era. Then, okay, and I'm not really exaggerating this at all. There's this big, giant bed, and there's a heart-shaped jacuzzi that, that, that I would not have gone in unless I put tons of this pop-up floor <laughs> hand sanitizer in there first. And a giant mirror above the bed no. with more shag carpeting. Oh, no. came with a mirror. I, I text my camera guy. I said, you got to come over here to see this thing. <laughs> <laughs> and they came in there, and they were, like, hysterical. And I said, you guys want to trade rooms? And no way. <laughs> All right. So I so, said, uh, we're, we're here shooting. You don't really stay that long in your room. You, 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 you're out dark and early. Right, you right. come in dark, and you just use the place to shower, catch up on sleep, and you do it again. So first night in there, I'm I'm sleeping. And something ro- runs across me. I look, it's a roach. But I hit the thing. And you didn't really hear the sound where he hit because it's a shag carpet. It's like oh. just absorbing them. <laughs> and then I feel another one come across me. And I hit that thing. And this thing must hit something hard because I heard him actually hit wherever I got him. And then finally, I turn on the lights and these roaches running. Under, and I said, I said, this is pretty bad. So anyway, you, you know, you just made do with the place. and um, Made do. Oh, it was. And, I would say so. But this, and then, so what was funny about it is, on the back of the door, you know, where they charge, they show you what the maximum a hotel room could charge you, you know, per season. They have the rates. Mm-hmm. And then I also had gone on the website later because this became a joke among the crew. It was the honeymoon suite. Okay, the honeymoon suite in season at that particular time when we were doing the show was ninety eight dollars a night. So I guess if you were a high school kid at the prom or something, that yep. you got a hundred bucks from your dad, you're gonna do okay that night. But uh, <laughs> wow! Uh, but it was like, oh, this was like just a, a complete throwback. It was so I would have to say that was probably one of the weirdest. And there was another place down in Ecuador we stayed at too. Uh, we fished Salinas, Ecuador, a couple times uh, for straight marlin back in the day before the TV show with Saltwater Sportsman. Then we kept hearing about this place, Manta, Ecuador. They get these big Marlin, man, Ecuador. So somehow, because I'm just an easy to talk, be into things kind of guy, I said, we'll go down there and do a show. Mm -hmm. So we met in Salinas, Ecuador, jumped on this old rickety wooden inboard 28-footer, driving through the night to get to Manta, okay? Through the night? Through the night. And, you know. Down a river? No, ocean. In the ocean? Yeah, and I would never, ever do that again. Now that I have more sense. But back then, you're young, and, hey, this is an adventure. Right. And then now it's not an adventure. Now it's a death sentence. But anyway, you go. <laughs> so we go to Manta. Yeah, now if you do that, you're, you know, you'd be under watch of a semi-automatic machine gun. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and there's no Coast Guard. Yeah. I mean, when something goes on, and you're just going to go. So they had us into the what was their 
fanciest hotel in Manta, which was terrible. So it was me. I had uh, Mark Bradfield, my fishing buddy, and my stock car buddy, Bobby Brack, was the three of us on that trip. So we're, we're bringing escort, and they say, don't go out at night. Your escort will pick you up, and, and it's an armed escort. So we get to the hotel to get checked in. They got the armed guys mm-hmm. with the guns on there. So we get in, and then um, we have our room. So all three of us are in one room. They got like a roll away and two other beds. And then we hear some gunshots come down the street at night. So we both realized this is not a safe place. So what we did, we had our, some of our tackle that we took our fillet knives, and we stuck them under our beds, each one of our beds, just in case. And we took the big drawer push it against the front door so if somebody's gonna try to get in at least we have a few minutes notice here and, oh my god <laughs> and you wake up in the morning even with arm guards yeah and you wake up in the morning and you know we talked to our host and, and we heard those gunshots oh yeah they have they have shootouts up and down the street at night and it's i remember kind of a thing around here oh yeah it, yeah, it is it's like a normal <laughs> it's deal kind of a thing around here so we're getting escorted to our boat and all of a sudden I remember this kid riding his bicycle with a rope behind it dragging a, a blue marlin with chunks out of it so they they whatever it is they'll sell they could on the street so it was a mm-hmm. blue marlin so we come back in this afternoon and then you know we, we get back in our room that next morning we get escorted to the boat again and here's the same kid pulling the rope the remains of the blue marlin he didn't sell out of the out of the beach tying it back of the bicycle and riding to sell what's left of that and um so that was definitely an Why did I just have a painting like pop into my head? Like, <laughs> there an, an you an go. Illustration. Yeah, I got to draw that. It, wow. it, it was really wild. And, uh, but that, that was a, definitely an odd place, too. We, we got out of there. We caught a decent-sized marlin um, out of it. And we got a story in Saltwater Sportsman. But uh, little kid with the bike tried to buy the rest of it when you're, before you left? No, we just got the <laughs> hell out of there. Wow. <laughs> I got to say one thing, though. If you're honeymooning in Titusville, Florida, as the woman, you really probably should rethink your decisions in life and, you know, that was, you say yes to. That, and it, like I said, it popped right in my mind. And uh, like I said, seriously, all you needed was Casey and the Sunshine Band playing. That was spun you back to the 70s. I mean, when was the last God. time you guys seen Shag Carpet? Yeah, Dennis, okay. we should put Shag Carpet on we the should. back wall here. We're going to have to take do off it. the phone. <laughs> great. There's some cockroaches running around. So there, that, that was one of the weird, weird Wow, uh, that is weird, weird. ones. Titusville. I can't believe I guessed that one. I couldn't believe it either. I, that that popped into my head, yeah. too. I said, I, I wonder if he's talking about Titusville. Oh, and you nailed it. <laughs> yeah. You nailed it. Yeah, when I heard Dennis say that, I said, Dennis must have stayed there. Yeah. I didn't stay. I just, we went straight on the boat, fished, and I drove <laughs> yeah. back home at 12 o'clock at midnight. <laughs> yeah. It's like one of those places, if the doctor ever tells you you have six months to live, move there, because every day will feel like an eternity. Yes. You are not kidding. Yeah. The, um, all right. So, listen, that's strange question number one. <laughs> that wasn't that wasn't too bad. I think I might be a hand, maybe no, handle the other two. We'll yeah. see. That's good. All right. So, what's the strangest bait you've ever caught a fish with? Again, these are questions I just sure. made up on the strangest fly before walking bait around. Bait that I've ever caught a fish with. Uh, I know uh, you're never wanting for things like that, especially you know now you know, you got a lot of there's you know, a, it been sponsors a, and promos and stuff like that. There's but, a typical kid growing up, right? When I used to freshwater fish a lot, I used to try to get these freshwater catfish in my local canal in Miami, and I used to get the Oscar Mayer ham and bologna and put it on. Mm-hmm. But that's that's not really strange because that's what, you know, people probably still do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say maybe along those lines, how about a horse pilchard off a fishing kite that a flying fish eats? <laughs> I'm watching this bobber. I'm seeing some kind of light commotion under this horse pilchard. 
popular sail fishing out of Miami. Got the kite up. And this thing somehow, and I still didn't know what it was, the bait goes down, I wind tight, and I'm thinking, this is crazy. The hook turned back into bait, but it can't be because we even bridled the horse pilchards. So how did that hook turn back? And I bring it alongside of the boat, and we boated it. And there's somewhere in my Facebook, when you go down images, it's there, is a, about a three-pound flying fish. You're kidding me. No, I'm not kidding you. A, a three-pound flying fish had come to eat that pilchard. <laughs> and got and we hooked him. Really? And, and we got in the boat, and then said, look at this. And, and so what we did, we took him off the hook, and we put him back out on the Bridal kite. Thing. This is going to be great. We did. We put him on the kite, and not a thing touched him. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I mean, I, would think of, I don't know whether they eat pilchers, or maybe it was just a flash, and uh, whatever it is, we got this giant flying fish. He was so big, he could have put a... 300 horsepower outboard in the back of them. I feel like mounting a flying fish and putting it in the room now. But it was the biggest flying fish I've ever seen, if that counts for anything. No, it's, that, that, that definitely counts. Okay, and the cap off our three strange questions. Who is the strangest person slash situation you've ever fished with? Oh, man, there's so many of those. I'm sure, I'm sure that's, why I, that's why I saved that one for last, uh, because I figured you, you might, you might want to. Okay. All right. I mean, there's tons of them. I'm going to put this one, whether it's number one or two or three, I'll put it in the top five. Okay. And um, I won't mention a name because I don't want to see you get any illegal hassles. That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> or me. You don't, you, don't, you don't have to mention any names. Just a good... So going way back, let's say way back to Key West, a very good friend of mine, Captain Mark Schmidt. Uh, we go back to the early 80s, 83, 84, 85. So... You know, I'm with Saltwater Sportsman. I came aboard with Saltwater Sportsman in 1983, met Mark Schmidt. So he and I would go down. We'd do some things in the Keys, Key West together. Plus, I fished there a good amount when the Mako Owners Tournaments used to be at a Boog Pals Marine. Uh, so I have a lot of experience in Key West, plus the Marquesas. I think we had this talk before. That was my dad's favorite fishing place. Mm -hmm. so ever since I was a kid, we fished those Marquesas. So a, a, a good amount of experience in Key West. Well, there's this one guide, center console guide, that had um, called me up and said, hey, I want to invite you to come down and do a story, you know, out of Key West. We do this and then that. And I said, okay, well, I'll put that in a hopper. I, I normally, saltwater sports, and it would only take like maybe one story per year in Key West because you don't want to really beat up the same destination two or three times a year. Yeah. So next year comes along, and I get hooked up with Mark Schmidt again. We have some other ideas, so we go down, we do it. And so he calls me up, hey, you're supposed to call me. I said, well, I said we would look at things. And and I said, uh, not this go-round, but maybe, you know, down the road. And he said, we don't understand. I'm this guy and this and that. And then he started to get a little bit pushy, crazy pushy. Right. There's pushy and there's crazy pushy. He, he started saying, oh, you don't understand who I am kind of thing? Well, he was, well, yeah, like that. And to he, you? Yeah. <laughs> and so so I'm, I, I hang up with him. I call up with Mark, and we're having a laugh and because he knows the guy. That guy's the biggest clown, this and that. And um, he had a run-in with Ralph Delph one day. And this, so so anyway. Right. So, of course, Saltwater says, hey, how about a story in the Marquesas? No problem. So I go down with my buddies. We launch. We go fish the Marquesas. Well, he hit the ceiling after that. Now, this has been maybe two, three years, and he's been contacting me. And you're trying to be diplomatic and nice, and mm -hmm. you know, because you never know one day it, it might take advantage of it. So he calls me up, and he says, listen, you pick a date on your calendar right now. 
right now. I said, what are you talking about? You pick a date on your calendar right now because that's the day where you're going to go fishing. He says, you've been avoiding me. You pick that date right now. And I said, are you? It sounds like the owner of a Chinese restaurant. And I said, are you crazy? Yeah. And so you're you're telling me I'm going to pick a date to go fishing with you? Is that any way to to, to try to talk to somebody? Right. He says, let me tell you what. I've got a gun. And you don't pick that date here. I've got a gun next time I see you. So I I like a chuckle. I said, okay. Next time I see you, you better hang on to that gun because I'm going to come down there shortly. It's not going to be with you. So I hung up and called Mark Schmidt. And he said, the guy is just totally off the wall. So – you know, he was he lasted for another, I don't know, five, six years. After that one, he just really hated my guts. And um, so we never had any other run in there. So I'd have to be the, say, the Key West guide that threatened me with a gun to come down and do a story with him. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. And, and that, yeah, it was um, and, and funny, the small world that we live in, Kevin Tierney, uh, my show producer, TV show producer, eons ago used to shoot with Mark Sosin for a couple mm-hmm. of years. Well, Mark Sosin was with, um, I think it was with Ralph Delph doing a show, and they had gone to a wreck, and they anchored. This captain comes up, throws an anchor, and, and Kevin was on board, and he told me this. He says, and Ralph says, what are you doing here? I'm not going to mention any names. He goes, I'm fishing here too. Well, I was here first. We're going to be fishing you know, here. This is mine. You know, I'm fishing this wreck. You, there's a lot of other ones. Nope, I'm fishing here too. So Kevin said the guy put the anchor down. And then he said, I could see Ralph Delph really getting fuming mad. And he said, Ralph Delph looks over, says the guy's name. Guy looks over. And he told the guy, if you don't pull that anchor now and leave, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm at anchor. I'm going to grab this big knife, put it between my teeth. I'm going to swim over to your boat. I'm going to cut your anchor line. And then we'll take it from there. And he said the captain looked at him. Started pulling the anchor line and left. <laughs> but it was the same captain. Oh, same guy? <laughs> but he, he's no longer there. I don't know whatever happened to him, but uh, he definitely had a great personality. <laughs> I, I don't know, but I, I think that guy might have asked me to do a couple of shirt jobs for him. He, he may have. So we'll compare names when <laughs> yeah, the show's we'll over compare with. Names. I've had some strange people. I've had some strange people with, like, with some of these jobs, some of the things that they request, and then some of the things that you know they were they demand of us, so like, oh, I know. Go down the street and do there, it. There's the other some guy. Def, definitely some screwballs out there. That's for certain. Yeah. Wow. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so those are those our three are answers. Answers. I Yeah, those are. Right. I mean, well, listen, I, was, I was really sweating these. No, 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 no. I, listen, I'll be honest with you. I, I I can't think of a better person to have started off this segment with because now you have sent the bench set the benchmark well, for think, everybody to answer these me, questions. He threw me softballs in that one. But then you're going to ask. I can't. Well, you know, listen, this was kind of on the fly. You know, for us making this decision. <laughs> this is kind of how things go around here. By connected by water, we kind of make the decisions on the fly. <laughs> so we came up with a brand new segment. You set the benchmark for everybody. So hopefully, um, when we ask these questions going forward, we won't get one word answers. And what right? we do is you can re- actually rename that. Call that the tightest segments the Titusville the tightest chronicles <laughs> oh my god that was great speaking of chronicles uh, you uh you filmed season you're filming season 2021 right yeah yeah right now and you got it in regardless we're of the still runner. working on it we are in the midst of uh the one of the craziest years i could ever remember it's uh i tell people it's one of those deals you go to bed at night and everything is right with the world. 
you wake up and you're in the middle of a Twilight Zone episode. Yes. And you pinch yourself, but it's real. Yep. And um, it's just, it's an unprecedented thing. And, uh, you know, hopefully a couple years from now, we'll all look back and get a good laugh out of this thing. But uh, it's definitely odd. And uh, the TV shows, how they work. We are shooting for 2021, which we air on Discovery Channel January through June. Mm -hmm. So what we do every year, we start shooting in April. And we get our final shows done usually by November. And then we edit them, and they air January through June. So this year was really bizarre in that uh, we got a late start because the virus thing hit like mid-March or latter part of March. And then, as you well know, the whole everything just went crazy, particularly right. in Broward. We were like a, a Rona factory here just pumping that stuff out faster than GM does trucks. Yeah. And it, it, we got a spike here. That's for sure. And they had the stay-at-home orders. Mm -hmm. Remember that. So normally, well, we couldn't shoot in April. So um, what had happened, we're sitting here, well, we don't know if the show is going to get picked up back on Discovery because these are some uncharted territory or waters that we're in. And number one, if the show does get picked up, I mean, the sponsors, everything's shut down. They're not selling boats. They're not selling motors. They're not selling tackle. How are the sponsors going to mm -hmm. be affected? Will they still be with us for the TV show? So what had happened, we had a full schedule of shows, and uh, finally, the, I mean, Discovery called up, says, our shows are rating so well, you're back on for sure mm -hmm. uh, for 2021. So that was one hurdle. So then I had to contact my sponsors and make sure they're still with us to get out on the road. And knock on wood, fortunately, all of them committed. They're back on board. So by the time that we got the green light to actually get out there and start working, it was June. Mm -hmm. versus April. So we're behind the eight ball. So that, that first five, six, seven week period, it was almost like we lived in my boat to get these shows in. And uh, we are here now coming up into October. We have show eight behind us. We're going to work on show nine in a couple of weeks. So we should have our 13th episode done by, I'd say, end of November, beginning of December. So we got back to where we needed to be Versus this time frame, we're caught up. Okay, good. So we're working on that, and then we wear January through March, but uh, or June, I should say. But it, just a weird deal, and we were fortunate enough to hang on to our sponsors. But where it did affect us is we're a national show, so we had to change things around. For this season, for 2021, we had uh, shows set for Long Island, throwing uh, poppers at Bluefin mm -hmm. Tuna. We had Jersey on, a, on the list this year. I believe we had a North Carolina show. We had Venice, Louisiana. We had a couple Bahama shows. All those had to go by the wayside because Florida, you know, when you left Florida, you had a two-week quarantine. We were so right. bad in our state. Yep. So we looked at this and said, hey, it's going to be a weird year. We can't travel the show. The Bahamas were totally screwed up with everything you had to do to get there. Mm -hmm. And then the resorts we're going to go to said that nobody would have any fuel. The restaurants wouldn't be open, so why even go? So we did all locals. So if you drew a line from Fort Myers all the way across to our side here and down in the Keys, that's where we're going to be doing that's this the whole season. season. Because yeah. we, we really that's can't go anywhere That's a smart way to else. approach it, though. That was a smart way to approach sure. it, I think. Because you, you think of all logistically alone, right? Just with Because everyone's kind of just rolling up their sleeves and doing the best they can with things right now. Absolutely. And, and I'm, I'm sure um, you guys made mountains out of molehills there with that too. So you and, guys and, always do a great job. And there's always a silver lining behind yeah. every dark cloud. And with us, it's like, it's funny now because when we meet up for a shoot, our production team, 
you're looking at each other. Right, where have you been the last two weeks? Where, you know, you're like, you're keeping your distance now. Mm -hmm. And you got the pops water hand sanitizer. You're bathing. You, I like to call it a pre-coat before you actually see your crew. Pre-coat. <laughs> so, so what happens, like every shoot, you know, we spend three days for every shoot on the water. Mm -hmm. So we come back in normally, you wash your boat, and then you um, get upstairs, you take your shower, and you head out to dinner. So we're, we don't go to dinner unless it's an outdoor place because right. we don't want to sit and push the issue. So uh, in the Keys, at one location or a couple outdoor places, it was all fine. But most of the time, there isn't. So the, the silver lining here, we come back in, the day's fishing, there's fish to clean, there's a boat to wash. We give one of our production team guy like 60, 70 bucks is to go out, bring back four or five pizzas. And he'll go and get the pizzas. So by the time that we're finishing up with the boat or cleaning the fish, here he comes with the pizzas. So we sit on the boat, the whole entire production team, all dirty, eating pizza, having Papa's Pilar rum, and that's it. So yeah. then you go back up, you shower, you get a good night's sleep, and you do it all over again. So the the dinner budget for TV shows is is really doing well <laughs> yeah. because you you got 50 to 70 bucks worth of pizza and a Papa's Pilar is free. So we're yeah. ahead of the game with yeah. this one. So that's, yeah, that's yeah, a positive. That's good. that's good. And you got the, the seminar in, in just in time. We had that with, uh, with the Jimmy Johnson. That's right. right? That that's a big too. event for us, right? That's a big event for us. So we, yes. we go all in for that one. We, I've been the featured artist to that one for since it started. Yep. And, um, but that really is a big event for us. We, you know, we got a huge setup for it. We do the guitar and, and the whole thing. And, you know, the guitar auctioned off for like $25,000 mm -hmm. this year. And it was great. And, you know, we were glad we got that one in because it's a big event for us. But the, literally the week after that, that's when the first the week of March. Ended. Yeah. That's when the world ended. I noticed that. I that sent you everybody just got home that here and I said, listen, guys, let's go home. Yep. You know what I mean? And we'll, we'll play by ear. And, you know, we did okay. It was like the first couple of weeks, but. It was kind of weird because no one knew where it was, but you know, as you know, boat sales went up no, through here's, the roof, right? We, we got to well, talk about this. Yeah, when boat sales go up, our business gets better because that's what we do. We it, service all those, you know. Our industry yeah. just rises with that tide, right? And we we need to address that because there's some some funny, interesting yeah, stories yeah. with that. So you would think in our industry, which as you well know, it's an entertainment kind of deal. Mm -hmm. That's completely the first thing that people cut out of their budget when things get tough. The last thing that comes back on the budget when things start to get good again. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're just an entertainment, basically, thing. So we've been riding high with a marine economy, as you well know, where a lot of these boats are three, four, five months, sometimes a year out with an order. That's how yep. good they were selling. Then things started to chill out. And all of a sudden, now things started slowing down. Then uh, the virus hits. So everything gets shut down. So you're thinking, okay, well, this is going to be the, uh, the death knell of our this industry. Is it. Yeah, this is it. Everything changes, right? Ironically, our industry goes skyrocketing to the top. Mm -hmm. And we're all scratching our heads. What's going on? Well, the social distancing. People are saying you get on your boat, you go off your fish. What a better way to do that. So, so much more emphasis had gone on to boats mm -hmm. and fishing. And I heard that bicycles were the other one. People bicycles ride bicycles. Hard to get a bike these yep. days. It was, I had to, we, I got a new bike because oddly enough, riding my bike around the neighborhood with the kids, my pedal brakes. That's why I needed a new bike. You know, I'm like, oh man, now I got to get a new bike and they're hard. I heard they're hard to get. So that was kind of, you know, I ended up getting one on offer up. Yeah, I, I, I tried calling around the stores. They were all out. It's crazy. Yeah. And I'm likewise, so I got in the bike riding deal with a family. Mm-hmm. And um, so 
We trying to order a bike. It, it took me uh, end up three months before I could get a bike that was ordered. So, and then I heard the other big thing that wow. really blossomed in this whole crazy thing was gardening, because then people like to plant that. and all that, and and you don't get near people. So, all mm-hmm. this being said, boat sales now they're getting backlogged again. Mercury is going twenty four seven in their factory to build outboards to keep up with the demands. I bet. The tackle, because it is shut down in China. The tackle has been off the shelves, and it's hard for the, the sponsors or, or, or television sponsors or tackle manufacturers to get the product to sell. So they're getting it in, and, and it's and it's going out like wildfire. Yeah. So we are now, in, and it just pen well, reels. I have heard that the supply chains are getting a little bit better. They at are this a lot point better because now. my my buddy Mike Lipsky at Real Deal Bait and Tackle has told me the other day he's like no things are starting to get back, but for a while there it was tough getting it, product. Exactly, it, yep. and he he was right and. Penn sent me an email three, four weeks ago, said that this season has been unprecedented for Penn in terms of reel sales. They never sold more reels than during this pandemic. So here's the humorous part of it. And we're living in this industry, and we're seeing it out there. And the boat sales are not only the smaller boats that are going out. The big push and, and the big hot market are these 30 to 40-foot center consoles with triples and quads. Mm-hmm. It's like they are going out of style. So people are thinking, where's all this freaking money coming from? People right. are out of work. And and me too, again, being a South Florida native and understanding our our, our climate down here, is I'm looking at this too, and, and I'm scratching my head, said there must be a hell of a lot more drug smugglers than I ever thought possible out here to get yeah, to wow. be in line with these wow. boats. And I figured out what it was. The great Trump economy? I'll tell you what it was. <laughs> here it is. Ready for this? And somebody told me this, and it rang true. I, and help me with this here. When the virus hit and we were shut down, if you were a business owner, it was a PPE loan? The Yeah. 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 With the PPP. PPP, the, yeah. yeah. So what my accountant told me was that that loan, the first, they based on whatever your, your, your payroll. And, right. Mm-hmm. And the first loan was a forgivable loan. Mm-hmm. So that was just to make sure that nobody was let go. So what had happened, uh, they were sending this first loan out, which is forgivable, means that you don't have to pay that back. If you had to go beyond that, then you would get the rate right. and the whole bit. Mm-hmm. So I know people that had big construction businesses that have tons of people working for them that got a check for $200,000, and he said, my business was so good before, I'd never let anybody go. So they took that money, he banked it, so you're hearing these stories. So all that crazy money, that's where a lot of this stuff is being fueled with the boats. Yeah. Uh, you hear about the one guy that bought that Lamborghini that got busted. I heard something about yeah. Brian. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> the fucking, uh, how much do those things go for? 400 grand? Something like that? I know. Yeah. And it's like, you know, there's a little abuse on all like, that. It's like, it's, well, you mean a brand new center console with trips? Well, I know. That goes a, for more a, than a, that. It's a seagoing Lamborghini. Yeah, basically. right. Exactly. So this is how that whole weirdness came into being. But we are riding on a freaking high that nobody in the world would ever, ever bet on mm-hmm. because we are, again, the entertainment dis- disposable income industry, and we should have been sunk in a virus, but we're not. We're not. And, and I'm not saying this, and I don't want anybody to think that I'm saying this in a boastful fashion because I understand there's a lot of people who are out of work out there. There's mm-hmm. a lot of 
industries that are suffering. So I'm not saying this in a boastful fashion. I'm saying it in like a scratch your head weird kind of fashion. So I want to yeah. make sure that no, that's I get out it. there. I get it. And I, and I, you know, and, and I jest about the Trump comment, you know, and everything <laughs> like that. And I, I know you, you know, we try not to get too deep into politics. We'll give you one more here. And, okay, and you yeah. probably notice it. Cause he, I, I noticed I'm getting to know him well enough. I know when he tries to poke you and try to dig some stuff at him. All right. <laughs> oh, if you notice one thing I never, ever, ever, ever get involved in and never, ever, ever will is politics. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I will not discuss it. I will not co- like comment no matter whatever happens. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason for it, a couple reasons. Number one, in my position with a television series and you have your major league sponsors, mm-hmm. and I see a lot of people up there saying, blah, blah, this and that, getting so political. Number one, for me, why would I want to alienate half my fan base it's very true why would you want to do that for what reason then beyond that your sponsors bank on you to move their product to promote their product so why would you alienate or put your sponsors in position mm-hmm. where all of a sudden half of them now i'm not gonna buy pen reels george is being a complete a-hole with what he's saying mm-hmm. it, it, it's not good we are in business as you are too mm-hmm. to take money from every party that's correct you know, and when it's all said and done with all this craziness, we're all Americans. We're in business to make money from everybody out mm-hmm. there. So, in my opinion, only a fool would stick the rear end out and start this stuff because it's not a winning proposition. It's not a winning proposition. I admit sometimes I'm a fool. <laughs> <laughs> About <laughs> other things in my life as well. So, it's not just, just stuff but, like that. But you look, and, and they come back to me, what I do. And people ask me that. And I said, I am... In the fishing education business, mm-hmm. you're the, not in the political business. I, I, and I sell happiness. Right. When you go fishing, and you know this better than anybody, to a marina or you go fishing, no matter who's docked next to you, whether it's a guy who's making 25 grand a year in a 17 footer that's 19 years old, or a guy that has a 72 foot hatteras next to you, when you're on that dock, you're all one, you're all together. Everybody's on an equal playing field for the love of fishing, and you're mm-hmm. united by fishing. And fishing is a way. Connected by water. Yeah, exactly. Your format here. Yep. It's an escape to get away from the craziness. People go offshore the fish. They get away from all the world's craziness. They enjoy themselves. They enjoy their family. They enjoy their friends. There's plenty of craziness once you get back to the dock. Yeah. So this is what I sell. Mm -hmm. And and that's and I promote the sport of fishing, the educational part about it, how to become a better angler, and. You stay out of the mud throwing. It's, it's a yep. silly deal because you're representing not only yourself but so many sponsors. And, again, going back, we're in business to take money for all parties. Nope, I agree with you. Um, I admire that greatly. Um, so we'll keep you guessing where I'm at. No, that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. And, and I was actually going to let you off easy and say, you know, you know, whatever. You know, we don't have to talk about it and all that. So, but I'm glad you addressed it that way because, as I always say, you're the consummate professional. And that is really the truth. And, um, you know, None better than you. I mean, you, well, you're a complete think, class act all the way, and that, that's always the truth with you. I mean, well, in, in any circumstance. Well, next time, let's have a less volatile topic. Like, let's discuss religion. <laughs> <laughs> let's do that. No. Now, the, at times, the Trump thing comes up on the show because you know, you understand that we are in a primarily, a lot in most cases, a conservative environment with, with the fishing world a lot of times. I know you don't want to discuss it. That's fine. But I, I you know, Sometimes it does come up, and I just, you know, speak my mind about it, you know. And, but I also want to say that from my standpoint, I believe that the beauty of America is 
both sides of the fence. Absolutely. I think that is what makes us beautiful and amazing and great. I feel that I, I haven't made any bones about it that I'm a conservative, but I'm not a hardliner. Like really by no means. In fact, I'm, I'm very, I think centrist on a lot of issues. Um, and I'm not trying to egg you on in, into mm. this, but I just, I just do need to say this. I think that the beauty of America is that center line that we all kind of tiptoe around. You, and that's balanced to me. You are hundred percent dead on because I was going to say this next here too, is that, um, where we are at, and, and, and the one thing that does disturb me is that how we as Americans are now like fighting each other. You know, we were like, we, we've never been it's so shame, divided. Really. It's a shame. We're Americans. And what I think a lot of people may not realize is our enemies out there, be it Russia, China, whoever, are loving us. Their mouths are watering. They right get now. us fighting amongst our, uh, each mm-hmm. other. And all of a sudden it makes you weaker. That's the only way to take America down. Bingo. You said it That's right it. there. So what we need to do is we have to become smarter than that. And we've got to come in that middle road because this is where everything blends mm-hmm. uh, from the right to the left. We run middle, we get along and some things we may not agree with. Well, that's the way it's going to be, whether it's on one side or the other, but we need to come together as a middle road and show the unity of Americans because when we're united, there's nobody in this world that's stronger, but right now our enemies truth. are loving the way we're at and it's not a good thing. So we need something that's going to get us here as, as you know, one. Amen. No, I agree with hundred percent on that. That, too. that was beautiful. Yeah, no, and that's that's the truth. Because I really think that the sooner both sides realize that we need each other, we do the better. We can't survive without each no. other. No, I mean you can't. Let's just because one virtue signaling topic comes up, it doesn't make that person no. a bad. And person. And I'll give you one more. It's the closest thing I'm going to get to being political here. Go ahead. And and this is. Okay, by, by naturally, I'm registered as a uh, certain party. Mm-hmm. And I've been so disgusted with everything as of late, and I'm not telling you which party it is or what. But Both I said, are you know, misbehaving. Uh, yeah. Both and are I said, misbehaving. I'm not going to be beholding or associated with the clowns to the left, the clowns to the, to the right. So I'm seriously thinking of Stuck in the middle with be, you. re-registering my card and becoming an independent, where mm-hmm. I'm in the middle, and I'm not going to be beholding. That's or, what I am. Because yeah. I, I, I never done that before, but I'm going to do it now because I, it, this is just stupid to be associated with either one group or the other no, I because of the way we're at. The only <laughs> real reason that I registered as a Republican mm-hmm. was to vote in the primaries, mm-hmm. which I'm not even so sure that that's enough of a reason to not be an independent. Because truly, I think I'm an independent at the end of the day. Be, there are a few issues on the left side that I just absolutely cannot get on board with. I'm mm-hmm. not going to say what those issues are, but there are just a couple of things that I absolutely just, that's, you, that's, yeah, that's, and, that is and, a no-go and, for and me. And, I'm and, sorry. And, and I'll agree with you on that. And there's also a lot of on, on either side. Correct. But there that, are, there are, there are, yeah, exactly. But, there's, right. there are some things on the right side that are, that's abso- actually, absolutely sure. a no-go for me. But there's a, there's a couple of topics on the left side that that is 1 million percent a no-go for me. Yep. Um, I'm not going to say what they are. You might want to read between the lines, go ahead, read all you want, but you may not know what they are. Um, but there are things on the right, but truly I I feel in my heart of hearts, I'm an independent, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's why I feel for for whatever it's worth. So, so I'm with you. So, you know, I, I may do that as well, but, um, this, this year, 
I think there's with the way the meat the media has controlled things, and well, I really well, think here's that, a whole other thing. And, and, that. and I know blanket media term blanket. You know what I mean? But Jur- journalism uh, is dead. 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 So what you have now, and this is always how I've lived my life. No matter what side you're on, whatever network that you watch him, it's like in our industry. You have an advertising agency that might handle Bertram or or Hatteras or Mako. And they go to Saltwater Sports, and we're going to do 10 pages with you, but we want some fish abilities. So that advertising agency is looking out for their clients. So they're going to do everything they can for positive publicity and get the PR out. This is what these news channels have become. They're PR agency, they're advertising mm-hmm. agency, and that's it. So nobody gets the square shoot anymore. It's all based on the marketing agency. Mm-hmm. And so what I've always done is I've always, you know, you go on what's inside of you, and you dissect what's a little bit here, there, and, and you come up with your own mind. You, mm-hmm. you don't get influenced by whoever's doing what. You, you know, I've been around long enough where I sort of know, got my own internal compass, and you listen to things. And, uh, you know, this is unfortunate. What people have got to do now is come up with their own decisions because there's no good journalism right. anymore. It's dead. It's yeah. all marketing no matter whose side of the fence you're on. That's what it is. It's That's all why PR. The youth, the youth is so vulnerable. And they got to get, you know, got to get smarter. Mm-hmm. The youth is so vulnerable in that respect. Yep. Um, you still read the paper? What's that? <laughs> the paper. The pa- right? I'll, I'll be here. You go. And, and I used to be a die-hard reader of the Sun Sentinel. Mm-hmm. And then when they let Steve Waters go, right, who did a phenomenal job at their outdoors. Once they did away with their outdoor coverage, I canceled my subscription. And really, the only reason I kept that subscription for those years was to support Steve Waters. Mm-hmm. So when it would come in, I'd look at his column. Right. I was supporting him because he had supported me forever over the years. And when he did away with that, I got away with it. So I do not read the paper at all. Mm-hmm. And we haven't had a subscription in I don't know how many years because of that. So it's sort of weird because I'm at the age group, and you, you're probably not that far behind me. You're probably on my bumper there somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, where we grew up reading the paper. Right. And we grew up reading print with magazines. Yep. Magazines are still hanging in there, but we're in a weird transitional zone. Between the print is dying, the digital is starting to come in, but the digital hasn't 100% taken over. So we're, again, a twilight zone. Well, magazine is like, the magazine, I think, is a more beautiful vehicle. Well, of course, you got you beautiful know, pictures. Yeah, it, it, that's still so holding not up. Not the paper where it's dirty and, yeah. And, and, and I'll give you one up on how I think the newspapers are pretty much dead is our seminar series. We've been doing that now coming up for 34 years in 2021. So some of the sites that we go to, we used to set aside a marketing budget to advertise in local newspapers. But way back in the day, the newspapers were it. Steve mm-hmm. Waters hit you with a column, and, and, and mm-hmm. you'd sell out. Right. Now you put big full-page ads when Saltwater Sportsman would commit the money to that on a particular seminar. Nobody reads it. It's, right. a, it's a dead thing. So now these newspapers need to profit. And they lost a lot of revenue because those papers are out of print. And they need clicks because that's the new way to make money. And it's statistically proven that fake news mm-hmm. gets six times as many clicks Which as is real terrible. news does. It's on the same and line th- of and watching. Y- if you look at that right there, you'll find out why we are where we are. Right. It's like watching the Saturday morning wrestling that we used to do as a kid with Gordon Soli, the announcer, and all the fake wrestling. And isn't that sort of where you are right Sensationalism now? Sensationalism sells. I mean, it's, it's – yeah. people got to purge their minds. Go fishing. If it fishing. bleeds, it leads. I mean, you can't you turn away from a train wreck, whatever cliche you want to say. Yep. I mean, it's the truth, though. Yep. You know, it's, it's you, crazy. When you, yeah. When you can't look away from it and that's what profits, you know? Yep. So, all right. 
We beat politics to death. <laughs> and he still didn't get it out of me. Yeah, no, I still didn't get it out of you. I'm not trying, though. I'm not trying too hard, you know. So I'm not, I'm not trying too hard. So anyway, uh, we got a mullet run coming up, right, John? It's not coming up. It's here. It's here. Yeah, it's here. I thought, I thought yeah, that came here. like, wow, it's, it is here. Yeah, yeah. and it's, it's going pretty strong, too. Yeah. Um, I was kind of worried there for a little while. I hadn't seen anything that far south. Everything was kind of happening up north, but... Mm. Last week it really blew up down here, and yeah. it's been it's been steady for for a week straight. Yeah, so hopefully they keep coming. It's my favorite time of year. Rob will your guy. He's been yeah. wanting to come with me for a while, but <laughs> I promise Rob it'll happen soon. <laughs> I call John the snook master. He shakes his head every time, but it's the yeah, <laughs> yeah, he yeah he is for sure. So That's good. I, I keep trying to convince him to take me fishing. He's only taken me once when the wind was really blowing hard in our faces and there's a lot of weed on the shoreline and wasn't going to be good fishing anyway. That was the one time he takes me. So anyway, yeah. So. Weatherman lied that day. Yeah, weatherman. Oh, oh, yeah. When, when don't they lie? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right, so the, the mullet run. Do you get too much involved with the mullet run? I do run not. Or? That's I, I fished it, you know, several times, obviously, but it, it's not something. It, it seems like when that goes off, we are either scheduled doing some offshore shows at different locations, so we never mm-hmm. really took advantage of right. of actually doing a show around the mullet run. I, we fished it for saltwater sportsmen before, but mm-hmm. uh, it's a cool deal. There's no doubt about it, but uh, it's great. But you know, I'm an offshore guy at heart. Yeah. I'd rather be out there chasing yeah. those offshore pelagics. Yeah, if I see John hold up another snook with a, with a light <laughs> on his head without me, I might have to find another production guy in the room here. <laughs> We'll go um, again soon. Yeah, promises, promises. <laughs> promise. Next thing I'm going to see. Oh, you'll see it. And you notice how they get it closer to the camera, so it right. looks a lot bigger. Yeah, yeah. And meanwhile, you look no at their hands. Those I can't hold out. i got to support them on my legs, so but there's your no long look, arms. Your hands look like Frankenstein's hands because you have them so over close. Here. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> awesome. So, uh, so anyway, so what we were talking about before, you got your, your seminar yes, segment in, right? We did. Just this before year, coronavirus, that, absolutely. right? Absolutely. And um, that must have been... Oh, wow, we got that in right in time. And what was scary about it is when we look back, we ended the seminar, it was the first, either it was the last Saturday in February we ended it or maybe the first Saturday in March of 2020. And what was really frightening is our last show was Port St. Lucie, but before that we were in uh, Connecticut, Bridgeport, Connecticut, Mm -hmm. and we flew out of the same airport where that virus started where that... Oh, really? The same freaking one. We got out wow. that night uh, out of the Connecticut. Ooh. We had driven into uh, that New York airport to do that. Yeah. And so, oh, and, and what was weird between the seminar before Connecticut, Connecticut and Port St. Lucie, a lot of our faculty, including me, early on, I came down with like a funky kind of a cold. Um, Alan Wenzel came down with like a flu. Jim Hanrahan, who works our front, came down with a flu. Uh, and right so, around that time? Yeah, so we all oh my thought God, that we had it. Oh, my God, you guys must have been flipping out. But we had gone to the doctors, and I, me too. I said, maybe we had this thing, and maybe we got the antibody. So I had the antibody test done on me. I didn't have it, Honestly. as the other guys didn't have it either, Right. which is weird. But uh, we all came down with some kind of a funk before that. But, yeah, we, we finished it. It was a, a hell of a year, and then everything hit. So now 2021 is going to be weird, and uh, we had this talk before – uh, I had a six weeks worth of conversations with saltwater sportsmen, meetings and everything, deciding the fate of the 2021 tour. Do we go virtual? Mm-hmm. And my initial thing was, was let's take the year off. Let's just take that year off. Let all this stuff clear out. We'll come back. 
And then a couple of sponsors, one of them being the Florida Keys, Andy Newman, said, you can't do that. What year are you going to be in 2021? Go year 34. you got to do a virtual. you got to do something to keep the content. Yeah. 34 years, you can't take that year off. Then Saltwater said the same thing. We can't keep that, that year off. You've got to yeah. keep it going. So all the debates. And it finally came to the conclusion that 2021 will be the road tour, social distancing guidelines and seating, if still in effect, and rather than starting in January and ending in the first Saturday of March, we're going to start late this year. We're going to start the end of February and then run it into like the first or second weekend in April, hoping, mm-hmm. you know, that cushion between January and February, either something's going to get a little better or something's going to get a lot worse. If it gets a lot worse, naturally we'll cancel the either tour. Either you know. You know that, the, yeah, we're that, know. I'm on board with that. That's a pretty tight decision right there. And if we got to have to go under social distancing guidelines, we will do that, which ironically, a lot of the halls that we book, we're keeping in touch with them in the States. They're all, one allows you 100, one allows you 150 people, the keys allow you 103. Now, these are halls we're doing four or 500 people. Mm-hmm. So if we have to do it to keep it consistent, we'll go with social distance seating. Yeah, and the kicker at this point, which is always our biggest show, which you're a hometown kid from, is Jersey. Mm-hmm. Is Atlantic City is always our biggest show. We're a six hundred some odd person deal. Right now, at resorts, the state allows no more than twenty five people at a seminar. Mm-hmm. So we're looking. Here's a six hundred venue. What we normally get, we're going to do twenty five people. We talked about if they would let us, if they opened up to say two hundred and fifty people. We would do two shows, a Saturday and Sunday. Right. But see, all this is in now, so come then, we'll have a better understanding of where we're at. But at worst, if it, the virus comes in strong, we cancel it for the year. And if it's where it is right now, we do it social distancing. We go out there and we do our 100, 150 uh, seats and then uh, get that show in and uh, get refocused on next year. Yeah, a lot of people are worried about that second wave. And even though we're in phase three, you still got to be careful um, because – no one wants that thing to spike up again, you know, like it did in July, you know, when we, when that, we had, yeah, that yeah. was right. And, yeah, and, and everyone was like, I, wait a minute, numbers are going way up here. What's going on? You know, know. When, you know, and then you had to back it down a little bit. Um, no one wants that to happen. But I think also in the very beginning of this thing, you didn't really know, you know, where it was all heading, right. you know, so everyone was kind of like super locked down. We didn't know. And as things lightened up, people got a little bit more relaxed and then the spike went up to like, okay, Right. We see what can happen with those kind of behaviors. You know, you just got to try to be smart. You just got to be smart. And I think that's, it's kind of my point right there. I think at this point, everyone has a better idea on how to handle it and how to respond to it. Hopefully, you know what I mean? As long as, as long as people stick to that mindset, yes. You know, and, and just say, okay, let's, let's just all be not doing things stupid here. I agree. You know, and even like on the show, you know, I try to bring on, you know, people that I know, you know, and, you know, know where they've been. or Yeah, it's like a production doing. team. Where have you been in the last two weeks? Yeah, <laughs> so, know, I mean, so. you know, you just try to play it smart. It, it, that's really, and I hope, like, going forward, people do just play it smart because no one wants this thing around. The you know, no. and, and whatever theory you have on it, <clears throat> you know what I mean? It's 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 just that. It's a theory. Right. You know, you may be right. You may be wrong. Yep. You know, but let's not take any chances because we're talking about something that if you do get it, you know, it's been proven that it could have pretty severe consequences. So. Yeah, it's like a roll of the dice. You don't know what you have in your chemical makeup that might make you. That's the thing. You know, the next yep. person to check out. Mm-hmm. That's the know. thing. Whereas, uh, you know, the perfect scenario, I have a friend of mine, very good, one of my best friends um, that got it. 
got the flu for two days. No big deal. But his uncle, they got it on the same vacation. Yeah. He, but he was pretty di- he was diabetic and he got he's been in the hospital. So what happened for, to him? He's been, well, he's comes home today. Okay, good. Since July. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So he's been you know, and he has to relearn how to walk. He's been in bed so long. He's got the atrophy, like all that stuff, like you know. And so it, listen, different strokes for different folks on this one. So oh, my, better safe than sorry. My cousin and my uncle came down with it. Now my cousin, I I fish with him fairly often. Big fitness freak, always mm-hmm. has been. And um, so he and his dad, his dad is eighty, had come down with it, and uh, they quarantined for two weeks. They had, I guess, a, a mild case. It, mm-hmm. it kept them down for two weeks. They were feeling super lethargic the whole bit. Now, have, having come out of that, they're feeling some like muscle pains in their heels, and their and their so something is still weird there. But my cousin's girlfriend, who he lives with, who's also a fitness freak, got at the same time. Obviously, mm-hmm. very bad. He had to rush to the hospital on two different occasions. Wow! And something about it was started affecting her brain. And yeah. he would bring her home and put her out to try to get sunlight and, and take care of her. He said one time she became so lethargic, he went out there, and she was non-responsive that he thought she died. He picked her up, took her to the hospital. So she, she's coming out of it now but still battling the weirdness. And here are, again, my cousin and his girlfriend, total health nuts. They run. They lift weights. That's all they do. They eat right. Yeah. And I never know my cousin would be sick in her entire life. But yet he gets it through it okay, and his girlfriend just gets slammed with it. So it's like I said, it's like a gamble. You yeah. don't know what. Is she okay now? All. Still fighting a little bit. She's okay home the whole she bit. Past the hump. Yeah, but still having residuals wow. out of it all. Yeah, scary stuff. So every, everyone, please be safe. Absolutely, and, and just do the right thing. Um, and uh, re- really, just you know, don't take any chances. You know, nope. even, even though we're in phase three, which go, I go which fishing. I agree with, yeah, with <laughs> which I agree with with the phase three thing. Yeah, I, I really do, but. You know, there's got to be some personal responsibility tied. Go to that. fishing. So, go fishing. Absolutely exactly. right. Buy a boat. Exactly. Buy a boat. Buy keep, pen fishing. Keep Dennis in business. Drink. Keep me in yeah. business so we can do more of these uh, interviews. Right. <laughs> Buy plenty of uh, and triple pl- questions. Pilar rum and pen fishing reels and you know ACR safety equipment. There you go. You know, <laughs> he got, he, boy, he's got it down. Right? Pretty See? good. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. I've been told by people associated with your brands that George is the best. George is the best ambassador we could have. He he is the best steward of our brand. That that is for sure. And I can absolutely 100 percent see well, that. Well, I, so. I appreciate that. And it goes back to one of the original ideas why I started the TV show. Mm-hmm. And you look, I saw TV shows back in the day. Most of them, hey Tommy, that's a beautiful bass, or yeah, here you go, Glenn. And it, it was like mine rock. Mm-hmm. And why we started the show was more of an educational value, show people what we're doing and techniques, make it entertaining as well. But so we played that off. So segueing around to where you said with, with the sponsors is so many of these people, they're uh, fishermen like NASCARs. Well, I want to thank my so-and-so line company and it wouldn't have been possible at my so-and-so boat. But if that so-and-so motor didn't get me to where I go, I would never caught that fish. So mm-hmm. what I've always done in terms, you have to have sponsors. You have to promote sponsors, but you do it in what I like to say a educational, classy way, where you show it being used and what right. we're doing. Mm-hmm. So the people see this stuff; they understand what we're doing, and you can make a little mention of it here and there. But they'll watch that almost every single episode of what you're doing. So you're promoting and showcasing 
how this product is being used. It's not like a NASCAR just coming out blatant type of an, an right. ad. Right. And that's been the philosophy that I've always adhered to. And, you know, and always the other thing is always staying true to your sponsors. And I've had conversations and I won't mention another person because it's like, it's our show where we don't mention a lot of people here today because mm-hmm. we, we yeah, certainly yeah. bashed a lot of them. <laughs> there, there's a, another individual I, I'm, I'm, clo- I'm, I'm close with and he's, he's really big. He's putting a lot of effort on the Instagram things is, you know, he's a younger guy and, and um, I knew his dad. And so he's asked me a lot of questions, this and an app. And he asked me to help him out before. He said, look, I need to go with a certain motor company. Could you work something out with Merck? I said, all I could do, give me a resume. I'll, I'll, I'll send it off to Merck. So what had happened in that situation is I got him in a door. And they were going to give him a special pricing or whatever based on what he could deliver. Then he went to uh, Yamaha and pitted the two against each other. Yamaha had given him a better deal, so he went with Yamaha. Right. I get a call. So he leveraged his relationships. Which was right. So he came back a number of years later saying, look, I'm having issues with Yamaha and they're not treating me that well. You know, could you get me back with Mercury? And I said, we just did this thing. And I said, okay, just I like, I'll make a call. I made a call to Mercury. They told me flat out we were going to work with him. Then he pitted us against the other. We don't do business like that. So he is, is, he, he could, we don't care. We don't want to see him again. Yeah. And I told him that. And I said, look, you're young. You got to realize you think you're hot. You're hot in one element. He says, what's, I told him, what's going to gain you longevity is your honesty and your loyalty to sponsors. If you got somebody who's going to work with you and it work, you stick with them. I've had a number of people with the boats offer me three, four times mm-hmm. what I get with Mako. And I've yet to switch. I've, I'm happy with where, who I'm with. They don't slow me down. I can do everything, and we all work together. And I think in the long run, when you have the original sponsors going way back, that you're still with them, you, your stock is really high because yeah. it just shows your devotion to them because they're supporting you. You don't pit somebody against the other like so many people think. They think they're really hot. But it, in the sponsors' world, they could have thousands of people they could pick from. So why are you going to be a clown and pit each other? That That's the wrong thing. And I told this individual that. Yeah, and I think the sponsors look at it the same way. Sure. That, that you know, no, we're going to be loyal to this person because it works for us. It, sure. It, there's, there's a symbiotic relationship that has to be had there. Yes. And, and, and you cannot, as an ambassador in this industry, do that. It's all about relationships at the end of the day. And I sure know it people, is. it's very cliche to say that, but it's very true. You know, it, it, it is all about the relationships relationships that you build and you garner in your friendships. And they are truly friendships at the end of the day. I know people say you don't want to mix friendships and, you know, business with pleasure and, and all that. But you do become friends with people over time. And there's got to be something said for that. You know, there's got to be some loyalty you know, to that. And it's and a small industry. It's yeah, not it's a like very it's small huge. industry. Every, somebody who could be marketing director of one company might leave. Mm-hmm. and turn out somewhere else. So if you cross them up at one area and they come back to a position where you might be seeking help in another area, right? you're gone. Hey, and at times it's not going to work out in your favor. Sure. And you can't get bitter over that because you have to understand the business. Exactly. You, you have to understand that, you know what, maybe there's a reason, maybe there's a long-term reason that I'm going to have to accept that and, be, and understand exactly. that that was the right reason, even though it didn't work in my favor. Correct. You know, I deal with situations like that all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, especially with the art thing, you know, where you're trying to do this and do that. And, you know, 
trying to get ahead and it's not the easiest thing in the world you know exactly being an artist and trying to oh i know make that as an independent business yep you know we've worked long and hard at doing that. and you've done well i mean like i've always said your work i'm intrigued by how the realism there and how you could really get to the realism of what these fish look like there's oh, some people that. that I call abstract artists. They could come close and they look good and they got mm -hmm. a little fuzz and that's their angle. But you come down to the reality of the fish that's really, really remarkable. And uh, that's what made me gravitate to you. And you, you, you've you done a hell of a job, continue to do a hell of a job. So, you know, it, despite uh, I, his three questions, he's still pretty talented. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of a better compliment coming from a better guy. I, mean, I really appreciate you saying that. that that's really means the world to me. Thank you very much. You know, I have a kind of a theory that um, when it comes to paint and fish, yeah. you got to go one of two directions. If you're going to go for real, then get there by any means possible sure. and get paint as real Absolutely. as you possibly can and get the light correct and mm -hmm. everything like that. Um, but if you're not going to go real, then I suggest going completely the opposite direction and use 100% style. Okay, true. I agree right? with you. And, and just come up with something very I unique, come up with something very original, something like on your own. Um, but if you're going to go for real and you don't get there, then that's all that needs to be said about that. And I'll give you one more to that, add to that is don't get complacent. Mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of great marine artists. That is very true. And all right. of a sudden, they hit a certain plateau, and, you know, I know you know who I'm thinking of, mm -hmm. a couple of them. And all of a sudden, they hit that plateau, nothing changes or morphs beyond that. Mm -hmm. And they ride that plateau, but then after a while, that plateau starts going like this. Yep. So you get to that one point, you're going to be in trouble. It's like if you don't keep growing, you're going to die. That is true, and that's the truth for any brand, any business. Right. You know, it's, the same, it's the same thing, and it holds true for artists. Never as, get complacent well. no matter how well you're doing. Yep. And, if you know, the funny thing is, is, you know, I'm glad we're talking about this because, you know, one thing that we've always said from the very beginning, and one of the reasons that if you look at, I mean, not to tout myself or anything like that, but if you look at my body of work, it's diverse. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of different things in there, and that's Absolutely. by design. That isn't just by accident, you know, because – we don't ever want to fall into that category that you just mentioned. Right. Where everyone can say, oh, yeah, same old, same old, same old, same old. You know, I try to switch it up, try to come up with different unique things. You look at this podcast platform as one example, mm -hmm. as is just trying to do something unique and different, mm -hmm. trying to do something different than any artist has ever done. Sure. Right? Or at least in this space, right? Um, sometimes you got to toe the line and do the traditional things that is expected of a marine life artist. And we do that. Um, but there's like, I call them standards just like a jazz musician might have sure, standards that absolutely. they do, right? But then they can come up with your derivative, your you explorative go. things, and your, your own projects, where, whereas like a like a musician might have like a side project or a side band. You always got to keep pushing. You always got to keep evolving, doing different things, um, Just not just for the sake of your audience, but for your own self. Sure, you got to grow. Yeah, and when you do those different things, and when you branch off and you do, you know, start experimenting, it matters to your standard body work as well. Because it helps improve that when you come back to it. It makes you a better artist. And that's really sure. why you should do it. Absolutely. Because doing that helps your standard work. Mm -hmm. You know, um, like, let's say, like, um, I, I don't know, for, for, for example, like, uh, like you know, name any band, you know, where, where like, you, you have, like, a lead singer. You're like, oh, the lead singer did that side project. That album was horrible. So? He did you it. know what I mean? Right. Maybe, maybe he just did it for that reason. Just to, you know, I call it the mental trash can, <laughs> right? Where you got all these ideas in your head and you just got to like, you just got to do them yep. whether they're good or not. 
they're there. And by doing those projects, at least you could just throw them away and do them. There's, yep. there's, there's no better way, I think, in my mind to explain, oh, to explain you, that. You hit it that all. Yeah. But sure. the mental, we, we do a lot of mental trash can projects around here. Um, <laughs> yeah, some of them you, work and some of them stick and some of them don't. And you're gifted enough where you could go off in a number of different directions and really succeed. And you're keeping those options open by expanding those boundaries. So you're, you're doing mm-hmm. it 100% right. Trying. No, you're, you're, you're more than trying. You're, you're hitting it. No, I appreciate I appreciate you saying that. I mean, but, you know, again, you know, I, I'm going to paraphrase my own quote on this. Um, you know, when people say sometimes, oh, you've created a masterpiece, right? And I'm the, I don't want to try to float my boat by saying any of that, but it does get said. Okay. Mm-hmm. People say, oh, you, you created the masterpiece, you created a masterpiece. I hate that term. Because to me, if you're saying that you've mastered something, then you don't really need to do it anymore. I, I disagree. Once you, well, is from an art perspective, because yeah. to me, it's a journey. It's a search. Sure. Right. From, from artistically speaking, it's a journey and search. And once you've gotten to that point, when you say you've truly mastered it, then I don't feel like I need to paint anymore. Because because I always feel like at the end of every painting, I want to feel like there's something different I could have done. There's some some other f- distance I sh- could have gone. Yeah. Or some because to me that's what keeps keeps my creativity evolving. And once that dies, yep. you know what I mean. I that's why I don't ever want to be laxed in the term masterpiece or master. Well, I, I would take that as such when somebody tells you, you created a masterpiece, which you have done on several occasions that I've seen, is you need to equate that to a rock band with the greatest hits album. Mm-hmm. You can't have a greatest hits album with one masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Look at the bands when they take the greatest hits. So you've got a number of masterpieces in you that when all said and done, you, you could have several different bookloads of your greatest hits or masterpieces. So once you get a masterpiece, that's just one. There's several different masterpieces that you could go on and create. So never think that once you hit the masterpiece, that that's your limiting factor. It's not. That's one greatest hit. Move on to the next one. That makes me feel better. Oh, I'm trying to. That's why I'm here for, Dennis. <laughs> I just don't. I hear psychologists, too. I just don't, I just don't want to feel like. Yeah, right. You know, I'm working overtime. If that's the case, I'm going to send you a bill. <laughs> Tell me more. Tell me more, George. Have a bottle of Papa's Pilar rum. That's call it. me in the morning. Your problems are going to be solved. I'm going to start laying back and start swigging the rum. <laughs> but seriously, this is, it, it, when you hit one major level, you go on. You hit one major milestone. Build them up. Yeah. Don't stop yeah. there. I guess I just don't ever want to get laxed. That's you know what, what I mean? that was the point yeah. I made. Don't yeah. get, I've seen so many of my good friend artists that they they, they, they made all the money. People talking in their ears, telling them they're, they're the greatest thing. They since made all their money and, and they get lazy, yeah. and yeah. then that's the end of it. Yeah, they're, they're doing reruns. What I like call reruns. It's the same old look. Yeah, and I'm not picking out anybody in particular. I'm, I'm picking on a few. <laughs> right. No, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. I got you. I know. <laughs> See, you can't talk politics. I can't talk. You that. could. Yeah. <laughs> I can't say that. Um, yeah, no, that that that's true. Yeah, I guess you know. I, I don't like people always say like you know. Oh, you know, you have a retirement plan, and I'm like, I mean, no, I'm I, no. I, I'm an artist. I mean, you being an artist it. isn't, what isn't something what you do. It's it's what you are. That's what I do you know? too. Yeah, and it's the same thing is, I always equate um, angling and and you know, being a fisherman to being an artist because mm-hmm. I think they have a lot of parallels. There's I know I beat this, beat this to death and on the show. John's probably going to roll his eyes. Like, hey, you're talking about this again. <laughs> but we're not looking at him. So <laughs> yeah. who cares? So, I mean, but I, I always think there are a lot of parallels to, you know, the work and the ethic and just the striving and like, what are you actually trying to accomplish here? 
you know what I mean? What, what is the real goal there? Yep, you sure. know what I mean? And like, what is the true journey to all this? And um, there is a path of creativity to both sides of it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a work ethic path, like to both sure. sides of it that are very similar. Absolutely. You know, and, and you know, a lot of people think that being an artist, like there's this floozy, floozy kind of like in your head attitude. And there's a certain truth to that. But all that is necessary and by design because it's a free flowing format. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is also a very structured discipline to it mm-hmm. um, that needs to be adhered to. Um, there are rules to design. There are rules to art that um, need to be understood and followed before you can learn how to break them. Um, where there's you know consistency mm-hmm. and repetition and um, the variation and form and weight and mass and like all these different theories that go with art that you need to understand what they truly are in to create a perfect composition whether that be in a painting or a sculpture yep. or just even the song because all the theories relate artistically sure. you know um and i think fishing is very similar it is to that because uh, all those theories equate yeah. and if, i can't say that about a, every sport if you're a diehard hardcore angler yes because they understand the wiring is the same right it is it, it, it truly is. And I can understand the frustration uh, where sometimes people can say, oh, you're bringing this person on and your boat and they don't understand this and they don't understand that. Why are you getting upset? You're still out on the water. You're still having a great day. And it's like, well, there's more to it than that. Yeah, sure. You know, there, there, there really is. And, is. you know, there's a certain you know, aspect to that that, you know, we used to have a, a, a term when I worked at BC Surf and Sport. It's called um, OAKSTF. Only a surfer knows the feeling. Mm-hmm. Right, and the same thing. Only a fisherman knows Absolutely. the feeling. Only an artist knows the feeling. That's and true. You got to really kind of walk that walk before you can really understand what people are talking about. I agree about. with you. So, <sighs> thank you very much for coming in today, George Pavarolo. He got scared. I was thought he was going to ask me three more questions. <laughs> no, 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 that's it. <laughs> I, I, I want to thank you for coming in. Oh, today. it's a pleasure. And like I said, really? any time I'm down the street, it's as enjoyable. Break yeah, in no, the day. it's I mean, all fun. Well, you're a show regular now. Yeah, yeah, I am. You know, now, now this is number two. We're gonna have you. That, on and that's take. a frightening thing. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. No, um, and I thank you for my instructions. I yes. want you to sign this. We got a pen. Right? I'll knock that out yeah. right now. Yeah, I want you to sign that before before here. we. Oh, here we go. All right, witness, witness. Okay, my witness. Right, and this right, is yeah. gonna stay on the uh, <laughs> on the show forever. So, and I do have an empty bottle in the other room that we're probably gonna permanently adhere that to. And That's there you beautiful. have it. Oh, look at that. See, I, I even spelled my last name correctly yeah. in that one there. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. So, all right. Um, is there anything you want to mention before we get no, off the show? No, other than I appreciate you having me back. And like I said, it's a, you're, a, believe it or not, a great diversion to a, to a work day. Yeah. To a good excuse to get out of the uh, the office for a little bit, come over here and hang out and just talk fishing. And, you know, when is talking fishing a bad thing? It's always enjoyable. Yeah. Right. And cockroaches in Titusville. <laughs> That's great. Look, look at the stories we came out yeah. with today. You know, yeah, I love that story. <laughs> and there's so many more, much more. But you, yeah. you, know, you caught me by surprise. So these are the first things that were popping in my my mind. There's so many more yeah. craziness oh, okay. out well, there. I that, mean, uh, well, then I can't wait for, to hear more of them on, <laughs> on, on, on the next episode. So because certainly, if you're offering, I'm going to take. Uh, that I'm there. Over. I'm down the street. Like I'll said. have you on the show every week. So, all right. Well, listen, George Pavarone. Thank you very well, much. Thank you, Dennis. Check out it. his show on Discovery Channel now. Yes. <laughs> um, and they're they're currently filming um, season 21? Uh, for 2021, yes, which is going to be, believe it or not, our 21st year in television, which mm-hmm. is all unto itself, leaves me scratching my head. And then 
the seminar series uh, this January or February. We're going to start them in February. This will be year 34. Mm-hmm. So it's like, wow. you know, they like I said, they, they say time flies when you're having fun, but mm-hmm. I must have had one hell of a time because this thing evaporated at the time. Yeah, it's wow. Like, That's great. But it's, uh, yeah, it's all good. And they could go on my social sites, uh, you know, facebook.com forward slash George.Poveromo. I'm on Instagram at George.Poveromo. Mm-hmm. All you need to do is spell the last name right. We'll get you in there. And, yep. uh all those good things. So just just happy to be here again. That's awesome. Um, and a shout out to all the uh, the the, uh, the sponsors that we mentioned today, but in particular Papa's Pilar Rum. Um, they did a fantastic job today once again. <laughs> <laughs> they, <laughs> they, did, they, hey, they loosened us up to talk about some stories we probably would never ever told. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you got their hand sanitizer yeah, um, right here, and uh, I, I I promised my buddy uh, Justin Broderick we would do a special shout out for ACR absolutely. today. So a- a- um, he's a good guy. That's a fantastic like product, and they're they're saving a lot of lives with that product. It, no doubt about it, and they are. And and I don't understand to this day why every boat sold that that is not a piece of standard equipment from the factory. Mm-hmm. And right. it's it just, and, and we don't even have to rehash it, but all the tragedies that have occurred mm-hmm. where if they had an ACR in EPIRB, we wouldn't be talking about it. Right. It's just, it, it just simple, simple common sense. Yep. Yep. And they got their flares and the whole nine yards is the whole catalog. They got that new rescue flare deal now, yep. which, you know, it, it takes the place of uh, those handheld flares, mm-hmm. um, and, and and I just got one. I tested it out the other uh, about a week or two ago off a of marathon. Big bright light, battery powered, very easy, and mm-hmm. no more expired flares. I mean, how many times have you gone to your boat? Let me check my flares, and you think you're up to date, and they're like a year old. Mm-hmm. It's like, and, and then to try mm-hmm. to replace those yeah, things time are flies. expensive. Yep, time flies. I don't have a flare sponsor. I had to come out of my pocket for those, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> They're expensive. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. So awesome, awesome. Um, all right, listen, um, if you're in the market for a vehicle, yes, I, we highly suggest you head over to Joey Cardi Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram, which is the presenting sponsor of this show. Um, if uh, you do want to talk to them, about a similar truck that I have, like the Ram Rebel, which I am completely in love with. Or the new TRX. Or the new TRX. Mm, those things are sweet. Well, how about if, even right. if I give you a plug on this one mm-hmm. from a Ford guy? I got to, I got to, my hats off to Dodge. They've come an incredible way with these new 2,500 and 3,500 mm-hmm. Dodge trucks. Yep. Amazing. Yep. And I have a 3500 Ford. I pull my boat and I saw these Dodges come out to 2500, 3500. Boy, they did their homework on these things. They look magnificent. And I think they're going to take a big bite out of the market. I was glad to mm-hmm. see them step up in that 25, 3500. Yeah. So, and they're not a sponsor, as you well know, but I, I've got to tell you, I'm very impressed with those trucks. And uh, so. No, we appreciate you saying that. Yeah, we appreciate you saying that. The Rebel that I have is obviously a little bit more sportier. That's kind of like driving like a four by four Mustang around town. Well, you're an artist. You need you need sporty. Right, exactly. Uh, But you're you're right. You hit the the nail on the head. They they did their homework. Yeah, and and John's right for bringing up the TRX because that thing is just incredible and sick looking. Yeah, it is. Uh, So call my buddy Dean if you're interested in any of these vehicles, which you should be. Um, Also, if you're hungry. I know you are, <laughs> right? 
Go see our buddies at Papa's Raw Bar out there in Pompano. Um, Troy and Cassie got their operation dialed in. Now, where are they? I've heard, I've heard about this place. They are between 10th and Sample off Federal. 10th and Sample. Say, so go right. to Federal. You know where Seafood 10th? World is? Like yeah, the whole sure. Th- that's it's right it, where they're at. Oh, I know exactly where it is. I know yeah. the place. Mm-hmm. They're not tied into SeaWorld, are they? Yes. The, yeah. Well, the, the Seafood World, yeah. It's kind of now it's, they're changing that to what's that? Papa's um, uh, the Seafood mar- World. The, the Marketplace. Yeah. I, yeah, I can't remember. The so they're rebranding world. that right now currently. Um, but w- another thing that they just developed was the Barrel Room, uh, okay. which is a rum barrel room, huh. um, which is very cool. And uh, Bo Jackson just um, stopped by there um, the other day, and they just posted up pictures about that. So, I'm gonna um, check it out. Yeah, you I, should check I'm it a, out. I'm a raw oyster freak. I love yeah, raw oysters. Yeah, no, they, so. they 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 do it right there. They I mean, have some good really Pilar drinks that they great that Pilar they drinks there. Yeah. Raw yeah. oysters they and Pilars. So if there's anything wrong with the oyster, the Pilar will take care of that. <laughs> yeah, yep, that's for sure. And yeah, they got um, and it's also the connected by water sushi menu there. Really? Yeah. You got your own sushi menu? We got our own sushi menu on there. Now I'm gonna have to check it yeah, out. Yeah, we gotta check it out. So we got plenty of rolls wow. from our from our our CBW fleet on there. The OCD roll, the Jacuzzi roll, um, the Jumbo Licious roll. So all, so, all those so are all. You notice he's telling about all these rolls that he has named after him at this uh, place, and we come here today. He don't even have ice to put with the rum. Okay. <laughs> Got to start bringing in some of hey, these that's, rolls. Hey, that's okay. I definitely, I definitely need to become more of a responsible. Citizen. No, no, no. That's okay. I'm not a high maintenance guy. I just love to <laughs> no, poke right. fun at you when I can. All right. <laughs> all right. And also connectedbywater.com. Right. I always forget to yeah, do this. I always absolutely. forget to mention our own website. Um, so if you're in the market for any sort of custom artwork, uh, custom apparel, that's our bread and butter, boat wraps, um, large format graphics. That's really kind of what put us on the map. Uh, we do have a growing brand, our Connected by Water brand, so check that out online. We appreciate getting your feedback on that one. And also, I think that's it. I think we're ready to close her out. So we'll, in uh, normal fashion, we'll say no matter what we're, no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, we're always connected by water. George Pavaromos, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having yeah. me back. Thank yes, you. Thank you. Th- thanks for doing a good job with the cameras. and everything. Oh, John else. always does <laughs> no a great worries. job. Thank you. Amazing. <laughs> When you go out there and the fish are where you think they are, any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.